Did you know that there is a healthy way to deal with conflict in your marriage? In this episode, we are in part one of Fighting Fair, and we're going to learn how to recognize and deal with conflict to help us get to a place in our marriages where conflict is simply a speed bump rather than a disaster. Well, I'm Pastor Chad, and I'm so glad you're with us today for this all-important episode in this marriage series on conflict resolution. Today, we're going to be talking about how couples need to fight fair. Now, I know that I'm not talking to you. I know I'm not talking to your marriage because I'm sure you never fight in your marriage. Yeah, right. (laughs) Today, we're going to talk about how most couples uh, never learn how to fight. And believe it or not, couples have to learn how to fight. Every couple fights. Everyone gets in arguments. Everyone has strong opinions and strong preferences. And today we're going to talk about how do you recognize when those strong feelings, those strong preferences or opinions change your behavior. When a strong opinion or preference changes your behavior toward your spouse, that's when you're in the world of conflict. And every couple has it. Every couple goes through it. And it doesn't matter how long you are married. You could be married for decades upon decades, and conflict will never be completely eliminated. That's why today is so important, and that's why we're going to talk about how you recognize it, how you deal with it, and here's going to be the point of our discussion today. The point is you want to get to a place in your marriage where conflict, because it is inevitable, where conflict is simply a speed bump and it's not a disaster. So, Sadie, tell us why conflict is always inevitable for every single marriage. Well, removing conflict in your marriage is is a myth. That's never going to happen. You're always going to have conflict. You're always going to find something to be fussy about because you each are unique individuals. You both have preferences. You both have opinions. And the, you're, you're going to butt heads on things. Chad and I are completely different people. Our level playing field is Jesus Christ, and that's about it. Mm-hmm. Other than that, we are total opposite um, but you have to you have to learn the uniqueness of your spouse and 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 play fair when it comes to those. <laughs> we are so opposite. I mean, our sleeping schedules are always opposite. Our taste in colors are opposite, although mine's a bit limited now. <laughs> uh, we've just always been opposite. And you know, uh, when I do marriage counseling, that's one of the things that's always, just so obvious. Opposites truly do attract. A couple of years ago, I had a college student in our church that needed to write a paper, and she sat down to interview me, and she asked this incredible question. I'd never been asked this question before. She said, when you get to heaven, what is the one 
God question you'll have? What's the question you want to ask God? Well, I had to really think about that. And when it was all said and done, I think the greatest question I'm going to have for God is why do opposites attract? That's your question? I think so. My question is going to be, why did God give kids more energy than parents? Oh, well, but in so much of my marriage counseling, it deals with how opposites attract. And this is what we always say in the counseling office. In dating, opposites most certainly attract. But in marriage, it seems like opposites attack. And that's where many marriages are. We cling to our strong feelings and preferences. And what happens is we begin to build walls. And then instead of our marriage feeling like we're a team, and instead of really living life like teammates, then we begin to live life like strangers. And it's me against you. The greatest challenge that I have in my counseling office is helping people see the walls that they slowly build. And that is where conflict uh, really takes root in our marriages. So Chad, um, answer this question for me. Where do you think those walls come from? What do you think the root of those walls is? Again, I think it's our feelings, our preferences, our strong opinions. You're learning to fight, fight those those boundaries and those walls come because you're you're wanting your own personal victory. That's right. So instead I think, of good, sorry, go ahead. it comes down to pride. It, yeah, right. Exactly. That's what that's what I was sort of alluding to. Is I've found in in my marriage that pride is what's building the walls because I want things my way. I have my yeah. preferences, and I'm the type of person that I'm always right, and you're not going to talk me out <laughs> of it. And that is why it's so critical. Um, for just let me talk about my own life for just a second. That's why it's so critical for me to walk so closely with the Lord because one of the most important things that Jesus teaches us is humility. And that's one of the hardest things that it's it's been uh, in my life for me to learn is humility. But the closer I walk with the Lord, the closer I understand what humility is, the more I prefer uh, my wife and the fewer walls that are built up. Yeah, you have to sit back, step, take a step back, and you have to think, is this the hill that I'm going right, to die on? exactly. Is this wall color the hill that I'm going to die on? Yeah. So uh, I, the, one of the things that I always tell, usually when marriages come, to me in, in the counseling office by this point, it's it's everything is extreme, right? Every mohill is a mountain because they've slowly built up walls and I'm sorry, did you just say mohill? What what what's the right way it's to say it? Mole hill. Continue. This is this is every day, by the way. <laughs> huh. Huh. Well making molehills into mountains. Mole Keep going. Hills. Anyway, <laughs> so they are already at points of extreme, right? And this is what I tell so many marriages. You got to learn how to just shrug your shoulders. Don't make everything a big thing. Don't, and see, that's what happens when we feel like we're in a defensive position and we feel like everything we do and everything we say has to be defended. Then that's when every small thing, or as some people say, molehill, that's how Every small thing becomes huge things, and that's not how we are to live our lives. That's not humility. If every little thing sets you off, if every small thing you defend to the death, oh, you're living 
You're living a miserable life, my friend. And can we say one thing too, Chad? I want you to continue on that thought. But I think that when everything does become a big thing, that's a personal issue. That's a that's a spiritual battle that you're not understanding who you're actually fighting. That's exactly right. That's where I am so quick to share with couples in the counseling office. I'm not a professional. I'm not a licensed counselor. I don't have a degree in counseling. I'm simply a, a pastor. I'm just a shepherd. But here is the root of every marriage problem. It's ultimately sin. That's the root. And my job as a counselor and as a pastor is to help lead people toward repentance. And today, uh, I want you to understand this. If your marriage is filled with conflict, stop looking at the other person. Begin looking inward. And as you pray and as you seek the Lord about who you are, the Lord's going to show you things about you that needs to change. Here's what I find so sad in divorce is couples come to a place where they are irreconcilable. Well, here's what I think is so tragic. We carry the same problems, the same baggage. We'll carry it into the next marriage. Could it be that the issue is not really the marriage? The issue is not really the spouse. Could it be the issue is sin? And if that's not dealt with, and if that's not repented over, you're just going to carry that right into the very next marriage. And that's the cycle that I so often see. And that's why conflict resolution is such a critical thing to learn. You know what disappoints me the most, I think, about our culture? Think of the study, of the preparation, of the test that one has to pass in order to get a driver's license. But what do you have to do to get a marriage license? (laughs) And yet, that is the one thing, that is the one relationship that's going to affect your entire life. So there's much to learn, and most couples have never really considered the fact Not only do we have to learn one another, not only do we have to learn God's principles, we have to learn how to fight. So let's get into our first key, Sadie. What is our first key for conflict resolution? How do we learn how to fight fair? You learn how to fight fair by changing those um, personal victories into victories as a team. You you fight to, to... grow together. So in other words, rather than attacking one another, rather than tackling one another, you attack what the real problem is. So again, let's really define what conflict is. Conflict is when you have a strong preference. Let's say, Sadie, let's say you want to paint the bathroom gray and I want the bathroom to be blue. I will never want a bathroom gray. Gray is prison cells. All right. So whatever color that you feel very strong about, and then whatever color I feel strong about, is that a big deal? No, not in the grand scheme of our life and the life that we're building. So when does it become conflict? When does it become a problem? It becomes a problem when my behavior or your behavior changes toward one another. That's when it becomes a problem. When you let your emotions control the decisions instead of it being a healthy attitude. There you go. So here is another key, and this is what I want every marriage to pay attention to. I want you to hear this. 
Attitude is everything in a marriage. Attitude is everything. And whether you realize it or not, you are setting a climate for your marriage. Just like in your home, you have a thermostat that controls the climate. So there's also a spiritual climate and there's an emotional climate in your marriage. And what is that thermostat set to? If it's swinging wildly, if it's out of control, you're not going to have the meaningful and the satisfaction and the and the and the sense of uh, of godliness in your marriage that the Lord truly wants you to have. So we have to learn how to uh, tackle the the problem and not the person. Did she just say a tackle? Did I say a tackle? It sounded like a you tackle. Said a to tackle. Me. Cool. Hey Chad, don't make a mo a mountain out of a mohill. Okay. Mohill. A tackle. <laughs> a you have tackle. to learn to. For I was all, trying to say attack for, and tackle at the same time. For all the marriages that are attackling things. Would you just <laughs> tell them how to tackle the Fight. problem and not each other? Fight fair. Come on. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> this is not the mohill I die on. <laughs> so rehash that principle for us, Sadie. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. <laughs> okay. How are we going to tackle Yay. the problem and not your spouse, which is so easy to do. Well, let's start here because, again, I'm drawing from the enormous experience of the counseling office at Preaching Christ Church. This is a principle that I think so many marriages fall for this snare. They fall for this trap. Friends, do you realize love is a choice? It is absolutely not a feeling. And I can't tell you how many couples sit in our office and tell me I'm no longer in love with my spouse. I have fallen out of love with my spouse. Friends, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Love is a choice. It is not a feeling. And furthermore, what the Bible commands us is we are to love our spouse. The Bible never commands us to be in love with our spouse. So you have to start with that choice. You have to say, I'm going to love this person with a godly, unconditional love, an agape love as we've talked in all of these podcasts. And when you make that choice, And you say, the world, remember, if you go back to that first podcast, there's a brochure of this fake and phony, entitled marriage that the world wants to sell us. When you make that choice that I'm not going to... I'm not going to worry about my feelings, and it's not about feeling in love. No, I'm going to make the godly choice to love my spouse. Then, friends, the love is going to be there. It's going to come back. You remember Jesus told the church of Ephesus when they abandoned their first love. Remember what he told them in in Revelation chapter 2? Jesus said, go back and repeat. Do the things you once did from where you once fallen. And that's great advice for marriages. So today, if conflict is just ravaging your marriage, if conflict is destroying, if it's undermining, and if it's just ruining the foundation of your marriage, then go back. Do the things you once did. Go back to when you were dating. Go back to when you truly were in love and make the choice 
to love your spouse. So Chad, tell us about how we can practically begin with our spouse to tear down these walls that are causing conflict in our marriage. So if you recognize that you have been building walls, if you recognize that you are clinging to strong feelings, preferences, opinions, and it's changing your behavior or has changed your behavior towards your spouse, practically what do you do? Well, I want you to note this principle. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13, 4, it says that love is patient, it is kind, uh, it does not boast, it is not envious or jealous, it is not irritable, <laughs> that's the one I struggle with so bad, um, it does not insist on its own way. Wow, what a statement. Love does not insist on its own way. Here is where conflict becomes such a deep root in our marriage. It is when we insist on our own way. So again, go back to the analogy. Sadie wants the bathroom one color. I want the bathroom another color. If I'm walking in that humility you were talking about, Eric, if I'm walking in that kind of Christ humility that he wants to give me, then what the Bible says is I'm going to count others, especially my spouse, the person I'm the most intimate with, I'm going to count their needs more important than mine. I'm going to prefer her over myself. And so I think what happens is that humility helps us not insist on our own way. So here's the principle, and this will change your life. If you will ask the Lord to help you grow from being an arguer to becoming a listener. What's an arguer? An arguer is someone who insists on their own way. Take inventory of your life right now. Don't think about your spouse. Think about you. Are you someone that you insist on your own way? If so, what you need is a healthy dose of Christ humility. And what that will do for you is you'll begin to lay down your preferences. You'll begin to lay down your opinions. You'll begin to lay down your paint colors. <laughs> and you will begin to prefer your spouse. You'll begin to count them more significant. In other words, you'll put their needs above your own needs, and then you're walking in the love of Christ. You're walking in that humility that Christ desires to produce in your life. So this content has been so good today. We're so excited that you guys are listening with us. We've got so much more to talk about with Fighting Fair in part two. So go ahead and go to that episode of Fighting Fair part two, where we've got a whole other section of great truth, great principle, and excellent ways to help you and your spouse learn what it is to fight fair. 